Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Here we are. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Hi, Meredith. Hello, Joseph. It's really good to see you. Um, Can I share a story with you? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so. Uh, I know that we see each other every week, but I just wanted to share with you. I just, we were talking just before we pushed record, hit record here. Uh, my daughter broke her arm watching TV. Mm. She was watching Charlie Brown and she broke her arm. I was on a zoom call and I hear this thump and a scream and I'm like, what, what happened? So she was dancing and hanging on furniture. So this is actually, this is a cautionary tale for all the parents who are listening right now, just because they're watching TV doesn't mean that they might not break a limb. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, oh, go ahead. Don't, don't watch Charlie Brown ever. Don't, ever. Yeah, ever. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's what I learned. Peanuts. Meredith, who are these people that are talking on our call? Who is that? That's my list. Could that be John Steinmeier and Noah Tabakin from Fire Leopard? <laughs> I think it is. Yes. Yes. And they were introduced to us by my dear friends, Dan and Annabelle, who I know from Colorado um, when I lived there. So I just love that they brought you into my Zoom world and to this podcast. Are you waiting for permission? And do you have any idea what fire leopard means? Do they set fire to leopards? Because that could be possible. Yes, they do. Mm. This is going to get awkward real fast, isn't it? Good morning, Noah. Good morning, Hello. John. Hi. Good morning. Morning. Hi. So, so the two of you came together, my understanding, you came together and you created something called musical improv, right? You do concerts, musical concerts that are completely improvised. This is true. Tell uh, us more about that. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, no. No, you. No, no. I, really. Okay, fine. Um, so we, I got it. I, got I mean, it. I got when it. we say completely improvised, what we, what we do is we create sort of pillars. We have like guidelines within which we work. We have certain bits that we're going to improvise a song. We don't know what the song's going to be, mm-hmm. but we know how we're going to get into that song. What, what kind of, it's usually very audience based. So it's like, what kind of audience cue we're going to run off of how we're going to get them to give us that cue. And then, and, and then it, but musically it's always a hundred percent improvised. We, but we have, like, say there's a song called bro that we have, and we'll choose somebody in the crowd and I, and I will just notice them. And I'll say, Hey, it's tiny. Did you see that guy's outfit? It's pretty, oh, yeah. pretty incredible. Right. You see those shorts and those flip flops, dude, that's my guy, bro. What, 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 what's your name, bro? And he tells us his name and Brian. Then Brian, it's like, Brian, bro, we wrote you a song in the future. And it goes like this, and then we'll we'll hit it. Oh yeah, go for it. Okay. I want to know 
And Brian, I'm trying to get a little closer to you. I'm not sure if this is translating well on the Zoom. But I assume that you can hear just what I'm saying right here into your ear. I don't want to celebrate you. It's true. It's famous. Brian. And, you know, that's like a little teaser for Brian, for the Brian talk. Oh, Brian, so Brian. We sing, we, sing, we sing our bro a love ballad. Mm. That's one of the fillers. So we know it's a love ballad. We know it's going to be somebody's name. We don't know whose name it is. We don't know what attributes we're going to talk about. And we're not sure, you know, the music is going to go where it goes. But we have like a pillar within which to work. And we have like five or six of those or maybe more that we will do and create a show that way. Super fun. So you have a form and you yeah, play within that form. Man. Yeah, yeah. You have a format. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, I have not done musical improv. I'm actually freaking terrified of it. I've done it because I've been asked to do it. And then as those of us who are listening know about improvisation, one of the foundations is the idea of yes and. So you yes and that person. So I have sang on stage. I don't know if it sounded as good as the two of you, but um, so I have such a uh, admiration for people who can musically improvise. I just, it's just like a special, special place in my heart for that because it's very, I find it personally as a performer, very challenging. I can dance it out. I can speak it out. I can do all those things. But when you ask me to sing, I just go, what? So hmm. I just want to say thank you for that. Thank hey, you. Meredith. Thank you. Yeah. When you were speaking, you might not have heard that there was a fifth person on this call. Did oh, you hear that? Sparrow, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, introduce yourself, Sparrow. She's seven months old, so her verbal skills are like fourth grade <laughs> at this point, you know? But, yeah. She's just shy. You know, she just, You're raising high achievers. Yeah. Although, I just didn't want our listener to spend the whole rest of the episode thinking, did I hear a baby crying? Did I hear a baby murmuring? So <laughs> yeah, I no, just There's, there's a say. baby squeaking and squawking in the background here because I have become, Aww. because of the versatility, uh, flexibility, of the modern Zoom musician, I get to be the main caretaker of this little baby while my wife is a professor at a, at a college. Mm. Wonderful. Wow. I love Thank it. Thank you. So I want to go back to, was there somebody in your life, John or Noah or both, who gave you permission to do your performances? Mm. I mean, a few. So, I mean, my background, my parents gave me permission to practice the piano enough that I could then do other things like seeing people. So I don't know if that's, that's, that's more discipline than it was permission, but like my, you know, um, I feel like my time in Chicago was very formative for, for that. And this is where Noah and I met, we met in Chicago playing music together and we met in a band called Muka Pazza, um, that is uh, around a 30 piece marching band billed as a circus punk marching band and there <laughs> felt a lot of there was a lot of permission in that group uh, so there's a lot of improv and and it's a very physical show, but also just a lot of really funny, cool people in that in that group. And we all played off each other socially and we all played off each other 
on stage. And there was a lot of yes handing in that, in that group and in that whole community. We also started in uh, mid, I don't know when this was, 2007 or eight, started doing a show called a festival called Tour de Fat that New Belgium Brewing Company puts on. And for that, <clears throat> we were music directing and hosting from the main stage, um, playing music behind fun events like a slow ride bike competition where the, the goal is to be the last one there. And we have six rounds and a lot of audience participation stuff. And we also did solo, also smaller acts would go up in this beautiful tent called the Latigre tent. And so um, this is, and actually that's the festival we met Dan through. Mm -hmm. um, so he would do solo act. We would do ensemble stuff together. Noah and I would each do solo acts and that. And we actually, in the Latigre tent, for example, um, and we got to really work those, those shows that way. I would add in the sort of giving permission that certainly um, that tent and the people who provided that tent, John Taylor and Ann Goldman that created this space that was this miniature circus tent was permission to experiment and find things live, you know, find things with an audience. It was, you know, coming from this sort of clown uh, in a sort of modern sense of improv, what's happening, being very aware, being very uh, extremely like conscious of what's going on and using everything you can around you. That was modeled by these people we were working with, like Dan and John Taylor and these people that are, you know, have been Cirque clowns and blue men and, you know, worked in this sort of fringe and like literally like fringe festival kind of fringe um, performing arts, being exposed to that and then being given this space to develop it. Because I personally, John and I both, as you mentioned, we had done a lot of like sort of physical improvisation within this group, um, Mukapatsa, where it was like flocking, like follow somebody's moves and then that person changes. And we're like, you know, a lot of these like theater games and stuff like that, that I, as a musician, hadn't been exposed to. And then the step further was this permission to take this musical act that I had and Steiny had and go into these, we had separate acts at that point, go into this tent and find how we can, add these other elements. How can I bring the audience into this and that? And then we developed Fire Leopard and it, and with all of that in mind, like how, let's have this be about the audience, how, how we get them. And we happen to have these skills of improv and how do we create something that has the element of spontaneity. This is happening right now for the first and last time, which I think is the thing that's really exciting about improv. And also to do it in a way that's interactive, involves the crowd, brings them into it. You know, a lot of times we'll bring people up on stage and have them dance and and force them to improvise and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's really wonderful. So what I'm hearing you say is that they provided this space that was and they invited the, in the experimentation. And if they hadn't, if they had been super rigid with the rules and what the expectations were and what they wanted, then you wouldn't have been able to go in there and this wouldn't have been birthed in the way that it was. And so I I think that's a, actually a really important thing for our, our listeners to hear because I think sometimes, and I have a mentor uh, th that I adore, Barbara Dilley, who, who introduced the not too tight, not too loose 
kind of mindset when it comes to improvisational work and experimental devised work. And so what I'm hearing you say is that that's what you landed in, which I think is a gift. And I would invite listeners who may not be performers to look at the your the way you also collaborate with others and the way that you invite people to the table and how you're offering enough space for people to actually bring their their genius into the room. Uh, so I appreciate that you you just shared that because that there's a lot of love in that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to bring this back to the listeners, John and Noah, because you've mentioned words like play and circus and clown. And, and these are pretty exciting out of the box concepts and things that we get to play with. And our listeners are sitting at home at least one or two of them, because we only have one or two, which is fine. It's not about the numbers. Both of them. Um, <laughs> we promised them our 10,000 views. <laughs> right, right. 10,000 downloads. So, and they're thinking, oh yeah, clowns and circuses, that sounds fun. And I have to pay the rent. How am I going to mm-hmm. pay the rent? How am I going to pay my bills and play at the same time? And I'm sorry to bring it back to that to that concept, but that's a reality for many of us. And I wonder if you could speak to that because that might be what our listeners are thinking about. Well, a lot of the artists that I know that make amazing stuff and, and do world-class like shows also do other work. Um, and so, I mean, so Tour de Fat was, is an amazing example of something that allows us all of this freedom to play and be in community with other artists and have like so much fun and get paid. So, um, that's, that's, that's a real, um, that's a really amazing situation. I also for 20 years have been a music teacher, um, and I'm a composer as well. And so, and I like wearing those different hats as well. So having some other, some other base is what a lot of, a lot of us do, um, even in the last year, like performing friends, I know a number of performing friends who now have Patreons, which has been a big deal for them, um, not being able to do live shows, but they, they're, you know, they're scrappy. They figured it out. They figured it out how to like keep things going. I would, I would add to that, that, well, the, the, okay. I have a couple of things to add, but one is just that with Mukapatsa, which is where we started, which we, I was in for six or seven years and you, know, you're, you were similar. We barely made anything and we toured really heavily, but that group opened up a ton of doors. And one of those doors being Tour de Fat, because we played on that. And then they got, a, John got approached to be a music director. And then I just sort of coattailed my way in there. Like, Hey, I want to do it too. Come on. And, and so like doing the thing that feels great, and I don't mean to sound cliche, but doing the thing that like is, is fulfilling <laughs> had brings you community, brings you experience. Cause that Mukapatsa was a 30 piece group. So every time we had, we had as much fun on the bus messing around because we had a 30 person audience, wherever we went, then as we did doing the shows, because it was just like this community in this space. And from that sprouted something that eventually made us money. And that was a very lucky thing that we got, involved with Tour de Fat, which happened to be this place that really allowed people to do their thing. Like you were saying, like give them the space to bring their, bring their genius to and show what they can do and how they can make something great. Um, and that has been an amazing experience. And so our specific example was that we started doing it for the passion and the love in the community. 
and it led to with being open to opportunity in the way the universe presents things. It led to something that made money. And at the same time as all this, as we're doing Tour de Fat, we still were doing a weekly show as Fire Leopard hosting, helping host a weekly show that we made like 20 bucks a week. You know what I mean? It was just like, and that was every week and it was a lot of work, but it also kept our chops up. And it was again, a community experience where we got to be around people, which I know is in this COVID time, an interesting subject at the very mm-hmm. least because I do feel like I still have maintained some community through zoom, but it's different. And what does that look like in the future? That's a whole nother question, but to get succinct, it's just doing the things that are based around making you feel good and being around people that you're inspired by and then hope and waiting and being willing for things that are actually financially assistant assistive to show up. It's amazing too, because if you're saying, when you're saying yes to people that you want to be around and want to work with, that you're just meeting in a community, um, whether or not you work with them, if, if you do end up working with them, you're like, you're getting to work with people that you really care about and respect and love. And that's pretty amazing. That's something that has been true for me. Like I've almost never been in a professional situation with people that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Like most of my work has, my entire life has come through relationships, right. which and is we, amazing. From doing that weekly show together as Fire Leopard, we've booked a bunch of stuff. We went and did the uh, premiere of Borderlands 3 at like a video game premiere show with like thousands of people showing up to like get a video game. And it was amazing. And we got to do an improv show for these people. And, it, you know, they'd never seen anything like it. And And that's because this guy came to the show. He really liked the show and he saw, you know what I mean? And doing this thing that made us no money, made us a bunch of money for one night. And we got to fly somewhere and stay in a cool man. You know, it was really amazing experience. And again, like what to back up what Steiny is saying. And it was with people that we knew and loved because if you like this show, we know you're going to be our kind of people. And they hired other people from that show. So we got to go with our crew and have a great time. So there's that too. Finding these, Mm -hmm. finding these communities, I think is a, underlining. Yeah. I want to speak into that a little bit more too, because I know plenty of artists who just keep saying yes to every opportunity that comes their way because they're afraid of missing that big opportunity that's going to pay them the money. But I think Mm -hmm. what you've really hit upon that I that I think is really important is that you have to really love the community and you have to really love the work that you're doing with that community in order to justify uh, maybe not making as much money as you would hope to, that you can't just go out and say yes to every project that comes across your um laptop, wherever it comes from. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and say yes to it. You have to really sit and meditate on that for a little bit and go, is this going to, is this serving me in this other way in my community? Is it serving me as an artist uh, rather than just looking yeah. at, is it serving me monetarily? And I, I agree. And I think that that's going to affect the work. It's going to make your work better. Yeah. Like, and, and what you're putting out there is your, I mean, it's important that that you're putting out your best work. Now, I don't mean that as like a high pressure because we can all kind of pressure ourselves into even not showing our work, which I think showing your work is also super important. Mm-hmm. But if you can narrow it down to those to those projects that you really want to do and that you are going to really kill, that you're going to really make great, then that's your that's representing you now. Yeah. Mm. Well said. Thank you. And the other side of the coin is that sometimes 
we can say no to things, right? Because saying yes to everything can be exhausting. And I think we say yes to things out of self-esteem issues, but also because of this fear of missing out. And that's just exhausting. I mean, we can't go to every tour or every concert that comes our way, right? So I want to give permission to our listeners to really have a sense of being grounded and being conscious and giving yourself a minute or two or five that you get to sit back and think, is this something I really want to do? Is this a community I want to be part of, regardless of the money? You know, so I give you permission right here and now to say no to things, especially if you're exhausted or burnt out. So there's that part of it too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I had some. And a lot of times, having said no to a thing, like, opens another door, like something yeah. comes along. I, I experience, I experience the ebb and flow of freelance um, work, freelance hustle, and it's seasonal and sometimes it's predictable, which is great. But in those, in those dry seasons, it's scary. And I want to say yes to everything. And I want to, you know, I want to even just create things out of thin air if I can. But a, a lot of times, even this year, like after the winter kind of feeling like that, somebody calls and I'm available and it turns into months of work. And I just don't, you know, you never know. That's again, a relationship community, like based situation that happened to me literally this year where I'm scoring a bunch of work for people that I think are really awesome, creatively and personally awesome. And we made a bunch of stuff this year. And right before that, I was like, what's Mm. what's happening where's the and it right and it's so tough when you're in that dry place and then yeah. you're like i just read this article and i shared it with joseph i think this week because we we talk a lot um but in harvard business review they wrote uh, there, this woman wrote an article about being able to say no and she said for those of us who are freelancers and it might feel dry or you might look at your calendar six months down the road and it's empty and you're like shit what i'm going to do six months from now that you ask yourself the question would i do this project next Tuesday. And then if the answer is no, I wouldn't do this project mm -hmm. next Tuesday. <laughs> you probably shouldn't do it six months from now because that's going to fill up. It will fill up. Yeah. Right. That's a hard exactly. part with being a freelancer. <laughs> anyway, Noah, it looked like you were going to say something too. I yeah, know. Right. Noah, I, I could see the wheels turning and Noah, what I had you a couple, brother? I have a couple gears to loosen and oh, anyway, I'm going to talk. Um, the, <laughs> please talk about, talk I'm going to skip the metaphor and just talk. Um, <laughs> I heard a great phrase, which was your value is measured by what you can say no to. Like mm -hmm. how you value yourself is measured by what you can say no to. Like, you know, something that's, oh, there's a lot of money, but it's really not up my alley. I can say no. I can say no, even though it would have been a great thing. It would have put a lot of money in my pocket, something like that. Yeah. Maybe I'm not phrasing it correctly, but there, there's, there's something in there where it's just like, oh, my ability to say no is actually something that's powerful and good and something that I need to develop in order to be able to express myself fully, you know, to be able to not do everything. And I know the other thing I wanted to say about that is I know myself, I like to make people happy. And if somebody asks something from me, you know, that's an opportunity for me to feel better about me through them, you know, which is kind of not the best, <laughs> you know, but as a performer, I really live in that space of like, hey, look at this thing that I did and you clap and I feel better about me because, you know what I mean? And, and trying to get that from my, from within, as opposed to exterior and to be able to have it be more about giving this art and giving this creative expression, as opposed to 
what can I get for this creative expression, you know, shifts it for me. But, but I guess my point is, is that it's hard to say no when a lot of my self-esteem comes from people wanting things from me. You want this from me? Yeah. I'm going to say yes, because I want to feel good about me because somebody wants me, you know? And it's like, and then I, if I say no, then they don't like me. They hate me. They're talking about me all day, every day, which of course is not the case, but that's how the ego is. Right. Or my, you know, it's like that these people are spending all their time being mad at me because I said no to a project. And everybody's got their own lives. Everybody's doing their own things. And I know when people say no to me, I'm always super like, oh yeah, no big deal. And I move on. So why, but I assume that when I say no to people, they're like that mother, father, I can't stand that guy, you know? And so letting go of these sort of things that are in my own head, again, my way of saying no to the things that aren't going to serve me, saying yes to being of service to the crowd, as opposed to having the crowd service me. Ah, yes, yes. And well, so I just, I want to say thank you for saying that because I wish that was a shit that I had learned uh, when I was much, much younger, because when we get into the entertainment and come on, the entertainment industry is full of like, look at me, look at me, look at me, are you going to hire me? Do you like me? Do you approve of me? Do you think what I just did on stage was great? What the critics think, what the agents, what the casting directors, all those people. Right. And so if you can actually at a young age go, it's not about me. It's about how I'm serving the story. It's about how I'm serving the audience. It's about how I'm gifting them. I think it shifts everything. It's like, instead of reaching out to the casting director or your agent, like, why don't you have work for me? It's like, oh, wow, I really like that project you did. And that person that you cast in that was like, that was such a great idea and blah, 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 versus like the opposite, which is usually what they get. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to this, something that I've been thinking about lately, which is I often go to a place of, well, what, what, what about me? What about, what do I get from this? You know, and it's trying to shift that into, again, like, how can I help? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. these are high concepts and, and I feel, I find very difficult, but it is what I've been thinking about. I mean, I, mean, I, I can mention this cause yeah, I've been reading uh, and I recommend the Danny Trejo's um, autobiography, <laughs> Trejo, do you know oh, who I'm talking about? Oh, like, okay. Action. You know who Danny Trejo is? No, you no might. I, if, I don't. If, I, if I explain, sorry, Danny. Might, sorry, Danny. No, you know who he is, Steiny. Yes, I yeah, he's he's like he's kind of the stock Latinx dude from as an actor from like the eighties to now. He's Machete, like the he's like the lead guy in that. But he was in Heat. He's in a ton of like amazing movies as the like really tough looking um, mm-hmm. Latinx Macho. guy. Yeah. yeah, very yeah, much. Even in Heat, his even in Heat, him his he's cast as uh, his character is his own name. They call him Trejo. Yeah, in that movie. And anyway. this book is amazing. And so the reason I bring that up is because he talks about that stuff all the time. How being of service is what gets him has got him into these positions because he's like a legit ex-con, like legit, like like the most legit I've ever heard of. Like was in. <laughs> Attica and Folsom and like, and, and he got cast because of that, because he looked and was the part, but mm. then he, this whole thing just developed and it started happening when he's changed his life into being of service. So it's like, that's really just on my mind. It's like, in what ways can I be of service? Yeah. Which is so, hard to find in COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I might disagree with that. I think there are millions of ways to be of service now because there are so many people that are suffering 
even right. more so, you know, even given shout outs. I mean, I think one of the most special things that we did that Meredith turned me on to was going outside at 7 p.m. Remember Meredith mm -hmm. and making noise and honking horns for the oh, yeah. New York workers was for the frontline workers. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that was wow. awesome. Mm hmm. Yeah, Colorado so, was howling. I think every everyone, I don't know if LA, did LA have something? Oh yeah, LA. Did, yeah. Yep, we did it. It was 8 p.m. every night. One night I mm -hmm. ran out, ran out with, I played baritone sax. So I ran out with my big old horn and I just like jammed for like 10 seconds. Oh, I love mm. it. <laughs> so much, so many ways that we can be of service now. And what I'm really appreciating about this podcast and specifically this episode is this idea of, not letting our self-esteem get tied up in what we do mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. able to say no to things. Cause you're right. As a creative, we get, we get tied up in a lot of things, you know? And, um, and I hope that, that at the end of the day, our listeners are inspired to just pause and just think about what is it that you truly want in life and how can you truly serve others and find your community because the other part of being an artist is we think we have to do it ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not taught community in MFA programs or in, you know, in theater programs, you know? I mean, the way I think, the way I think about that, because I do spend a lot of time alone and a lot of that is a lot of the, my creating is alone and has, some of my creating has to be done alone. For a lot of artists, that's how it has to be, like for them to make what they make but none of them are going to make what they make get out there without other people. Yeah. I mean, like that beyond that creation process that has to be alone, it's always going to involve people. And you, and embracing that is actually a huge load off. Like you have, you can't do it. You're like, there's no way I could do it alone. I don't have, I'm not my own audience. I'm not paying myself either. You know, right. it's like, right. <laughs> so, not yet. Um, not yet. <laughs> then, not yet. And I just, just backing up a, a touch, like one great thing about art in the, in terms of being of service is art in itself is of service. The fact that a painting is beautiful and on the wall, it, yeah. it serves anyone who sees it, a song that, that you enjoy. It gives service a, a great, film or a great you know play it all all the arts serve the sense of bringing pleasure to people you know I, yeah. bringing an experience maybe it's not pleasure but bringing an experience to people and so just intrinsic in being an artist you are being of service and and then i'm just thinking like how to make the, take that further and right I, I agree with stani that there are certain aspects of the creative process that are alone but I do know the sooner I get involved with other people with it, especially with what we do with Fire Leopard, because sometimes we, we've taken gigs where like somebody wants us to write them a song. So it's not an improv song. Um, and we I can on my own, you know, come up with some quick lyrics or a melody idea. But if we do it together, one, it happens so much faster mm -hmm. Two, it's so much better. Because it's just two creative minds coming at things differently. And it's like, he'll th I'll have this thing. And I thought it was one verse. And he takes it. It's like, no, that's an A-A-B-A. -A -A. That's a whole, that's an entire song, not a verse. You just, you're such a verbose dude. You may have noticed. But like, you know, and it's like working with others, even, you know, one more person in the mix, I feel almost always, you know, triples the 
level of it, you know, brings it up 130%, 138%. Mm. 138, exactly. 138%. I felt I was going to say that. Yeah, I I was going to say that too. (laughs) You know, from experience. I appreciate that so much. And I have to say that, yes, yes, I feel that art actually during this pandemic has served so many people. We have all gone to our TVs more. We've been trying to ent- finding ways to entertain our, each other uh, via Zoom. Uh, we've we, podcasting, podcasting, podcasts. Like I feel that shit's yeah. weird. That's just- <laughs> 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 so. I just yeah. I want to say it. I am just really grateful that I got to meet the two of you and so much gratitude to Dan and Annabelle for introducing us to you. So thank you for being here. Thank you. And where, where can our two listeners find you? How can they connect with you after this? Just give me their emails or give me their, give me their phone numbers and I'll text them. Okay. I love it. Fuck. Yeah. There's just two of them. (laughs) It's just two of them. (laughs) What did you say? Steiner. Uh, so our social our social media stuff tends to be slash fire leopard show. Um and also fireleopardshow.com exists. <laughs> we, and, I've been there. We, Look at you know, it. I've been there. You can see some you can see some tour dates that that we had a couple of years ago. Pretty Saw cool. <laughs> Reminisce about tours you missed. It'll be you fun. Know what? Things are opening up. So there might be a couple of our listeners who are gonna hire your asses, okay? Thanks. Nice. <laughs> we're ready. We're ready to be hired. We, yeah. we customize um, shit quickly. We were we at last year we were also doing um the leopard stream a uh uh live stream show every Thursday night and we were having a lot of fun with it and we're talking about bringing it back. So oh, stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Keep your eyes open. It's a, it, it streams through Facebook leopard stream. Yeah. Uh, we go from yeah, stream yard to Facebook, you know, slash fire leopard show on Facebook. And then you'll find out when we're doing our little improv, the quick 10, 15 minute shows just to give you a little taste. I think you should uh, do it on LinkedIn too, just because. <laughs> Just because nobody is doing that. <laughs> because I haven't seen that on LinkedIn We're yet. We're big on MySpace, so you can check that are out. Are you? Oh, good. Okay, I'll check out. And Friendster, are you on there too? Yeah, Friendster. Friendster. <laughs> I think I just aged all of us in this room. Amazing. Gotta, all right. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. Good to meet you guys. Thanks for having us so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for bringing so much music and levity and joy to the world. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Take care. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grandi of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week. Bye. Bye.